This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon offered on the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, July 11th, 2021, at the Church of the Messiah in Heflin, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, the opening praises of God, sometimes called the eulogy of salvation. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This week, a couple of days ago, a group called the Public Religion Research Institute released what they called the 2020 Census of American Religion. This is a group that has, um, for some time, done surveys across um, the United States looking at different aspects of our common life together, including our religious practices. And they released this survey this week, which had a whole lot of information in it about how we as Americans practice religion or don't practice religion. While there was a lot of information, there were two items that have drawn the most attention, particularly in sort of the church world. The first is that we have been tracking a group of largely younger Americans that have been known as the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Not like none with a habit, but none like ain't got none, right? We've been tracking the nuns for several years that have grown. They were at one point a quarter of the American population. These were typically younger um, white folks that lived in America that just had no religion, right? If you asked them, You know, where are you on Sunday mornings? Normally it was either in bed or at brunch. Now they're an interesting group because as we have asked them questions, we've often found that nuns have a deep spirituality that they pray, but they just have no interest in organized religion. Well, in the 2020 American census, for the first time in a while, instead of that number increasing, it started to taper off and was actually about two percentage points less than it was a few years ago at its peak. So the nuns had been about a quarter um, of the total and they were down to 22%, 23%. Oh, math is hard on Sunday mornings. Two percentage points, 23%. The second thing that got a lot of attention as we've been tracking different categories of Christians and people's faith beliefs, One of the things that has steadily happened is that Christianity amongst white Americans has decreased as the nuns have increased. And when we look within white Christianity, we have seen significant decreases amongst what we would call mainline Christians. That's us, right? Episcopalians, Methodists, um, some Baptists. sort of this mainline Protestant Christianity that has existed in America. Well, for the first time, our little line wasn't going down, it started to go up. 
And so this has caught a lot of people's attention because over the last decades, we've watched this sort of steady decline and all of these um, commentators and, and people have talked about the death of Christianity in America. And at one point, white Christianity, so um, Christianity that exists amongst communities of color has always trended a little bit differently. So with white Christianity, we hit like an all-time low in 2018 of making up only 42% of the population. Um, this causes people in the church world a lot of stress and anxiety. And so when we see that we've suddenly ticked up slightly, we get excited. And then what really got people talking is when we started looking at white Christianity in this survey, we have for a long time divided Protestants between what's called mainline Christians and evangelical Christians. Started in the 20th century early 20th century, and then we called it fundamentalist and modernist. I find it a little bit humorous that the Episcopal Church was in the modernist camp, since we're very much about tradition. But for the first time in a long time, the mainline Christians saw an increase while the evangelical Christians saw a dramatic decrease in the population. From their peak of 23% of white Christians in 2006. In 2020, evangelical Christians represented just 14% of the population. Now, Diana Butler Bass, who's a Christian writer and scholar, an Episcopalian, wrote an article about this this week because, like I said, all the church nerd people have been talking about this survey all week. And she says that the shift that these numbers show, show that some portion of ex-evangelicals, so people that are leaving the evangelical tradition, are not going to become nuns, like ain't got none, but are instead turning towards mainline Protestant religion. Now, this doesn't mean that this turn towards mainline Protestant religion automatically equals that there's more people sitting in church on Sunday, but it does tell us that people are beginning to identify themselves differently. And that this identity is something that we really need to pay attention to if we are the mainline Protestants hoping to get people to come into our churches on Sundays. So a lot of folks talked about the numbers. Some folks got to be a little too happy and joyful because, frankly, they took joy in the evangelical decline, right? Um, because it somehow seems like we are winning but I think the survey invites us to reflect on the ways that the Christian family is offering salvation and inviting people to faith. I think we have to be careful what we take joy in in the report. It's not the decline of one of the other branches of our family of Christ that brings us joy, but that we should celebrate that there is growth in the family of God overall. I think it's important to remember that our family in Christ, right, is not just the folks sitting here at Messiah Heflin. It's not just the folks that are part of the Diocese of Alabama or the Episcopal Church. That the family of Christ is all Christians, all sorts of expressions of Christianity. And I think the word family is really the best metaphor to use when we talk about the church because we as people have a deep experience of how complex families are. We know what it is to be born into a family. 
We know what it is to choose a family, so either to choose a spouse or to choose a community of people that become like family. We know, some of us, what it is to create a family, so to either have children or adopt children. Some of us know what it's like to be adopted by a family. We know, all of us, I think, know what it feels like to have the love and support of a family. And I think probably a lot of us know what it's like when a family is disappointed in us or alienates us for some reason. All of the metaphors for the church, family is the best, because it is the one thing that humans seem to have the most familiarity with in both its full goodness of having a family and in those disappointing parts. And when we have experienced the disappointment, we also have this sort of innate understanding that when somebody's family, even when they're mean to us, even when they hurt us or disappoint us, even when we say we want nothing more to do with them, something still keeps us connected to them. This opening passage that we get from Ephesians is a celebration of the chosen family of God that is Christ's church. In this short passage, the writer celebrates that we have been chosen, redeemed, and sealed by God. This is a chosen family not dependent on our choosing, but on the fact that God chooses us. And the writer even tells us that God chose us for adoption before the foundations of the world were laid. We were redeemed through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, adopted into the family of God through our baptism. We are sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit to receive the blessings of salvation as the children of God. That is something to celebrate. And the writer is not done yet. There's even more. It's like those infomercials, right? Wait, there's still more. That God is not just saving the individual. It's not just you and me that get to be saved, but all of creation. That the mystery of God's will is this, that in the fullness of time, God will gather up all things in God's self, all things on heaven and on earth. And I believe, and I think the author of Ephesians believes that that word all really does mean all. From the smallest thing that you can think of, molecules, atoms, if you go even smaller than that to subatomic particles like quarks, right? The tiniest things that we can't even see with our eyes or haven't yet discovered. It also means the things that we do see around us, the geese that are out on the pond, my dogs, cats, the trees, everything that is around us in the created world, to all people that we can imagine or we can't quite imagine that are going to be here, to the big things like sun, moon, planets, to stars, distant galaxies, to whatever the farthest extent of the universe is, God intends to bring All that to God's self through Jesus Christ. Now, when I was a little kid, we used to have this sort of weird expression. It may not be unique only to my childhood. But if you were in some sort of competition about something, you would say something like, I want this 10,000 times more than you do. 
And then the response would be, well, yeah, I want it 10,000 times plus one. And there's a ritual to this. It's sort of like the double dog dare thing, right? So you start with 10,000. You might up it quickly to 100,000 or go big and go a million, right? But the response always was, well, I want it a million times plus one. And we got a little bit smarter, and we could do billions and trillions, centillions. We didn't know about Googles yet. But whatever the number was, the person would add plus one to it. But then the thing that stopped the conversation was when somebody said, I want this times infinity. And your counterpart would say, I want it times infinity plus one. With this beautiful passage that we get from Ephesians, challenging us to do, what it's challenging us to do is imagine the fullness of God's family and then add one. Use our imaginations to try to reach the limits of what God can do in creation and then add one. So we can celebrate for a moment that some place with a really complicated name, after talking to tens of thousands of people, has told us that American Christianity is no longer on the decline and is on the uptick because we take comfort that God's plan is to gather all of creation together in Christ. And so our question, when looking at information like this and looking at our lives being chosen, redeemed, and sealed by God, is not how do we take something away from one part of the family of Christ, but is simply how do we add one more to what we already have? The mystery of God's salvation is really quite simple, that there is always room for one more. Amen.